Welcome to the Profiles of Pandemic Responsive Community Engaged Learning podcast, produced by the Leo T. McCarthy Center for Public Service and the Common Good at University of San Francisco. I'm your host, Star Plaxton Moore, Director of Community Engaged Learning, with co-host Aaron Hassett, our graduate public health intern at the McCarthy Center. Let's jump in. Hello, um, I'm so excited to welcome you today um, for another conversation on profiles of pandemic responsive community engaged learning. And it's really a thrill to get to feature the Masters of Arts in Teaching Reading program and the literacy work that you all have been doing with the Western Edition community uh, for years, but particularly over this past year as you've had to deal with a lot of the restrictions that have come with the pandemic. So I just wanna welcome you all. Um, my name is Star Plaxton Moore and I'm the Director of Community Engaged Learning at University of San Francisco. And um, I'll go ahead and invite my colleague, Erin, to introduce herself as well. Hi, I'm Erin Hassett. I'm a Master's of Public Health student at the University of San Francisco and interning with the McCarthy Center. All right, so we're gonna jump right into the interviews. And of course, the first thing we wanna know is just who you are. So if you can just share your name, um, your affiliation, anything you want us to know about you that's relevant to the conversation we're having today. And I think, why don't we go ahead and start with Helen and then maybe Ch Chanel can chime in and then um, Rachel. Hi everyone, my name is Helen Maniades. I'm an associate professor of teacher education at the University of San Francisco. And I, um, the I'm the instructor of the course um, uh, where we uh, work together with uh, my colleague, Chanel Williams uh, at Magic Zone and other community-based um, after-school programs to hold a summer reading program every year for I think about the past uh, 15 years. Hi everyone, my name is Chanel Williams. I am the program manager at Magic Zone, which is a community-based organization in the Western Edition. As Ms. Helen said, we have been participating in the reading program about, I believe, 15 years or probably longer. And I have been helping planning and supporting the reading program since the early stages. Hello, everybody. My name is Rachel Real. I am a recent alum from USF, and I just finished up um, my master's in teaching reading. I worked with the summer reading program, and I worked closely with Helen and Chanel um, the year, the summer prior as just like a background logistical coordinator. So I got to see the program and how it developed um, for the last year in person. And then this past summer, um, I got to experience it as a teacher um, teaching online. So um, I'm just grateful to have those two perspectives and the program is very near and dear to my heart. So I'm excited to be a part of this. All right, and if at least one of you could just describe um, what is the, the summer reading program? I could start and tell part of it and then Chanel, maybe you could fill in uh, the part because it is a, a partnership between um, our two programs and we both kind of, and we both coordinate uh, one of the segments of it. Um, the Masters of Arts of Teaching Reading Program uh, is um, designed to um, train teachers to be experts in literacy development. And um, it's my philosophy that we can't learn everything through the academy, that um, teachers need to be in the community and learn uh, from the community and from the wisdom of the community. And in particular, learn from um, youth development specialists who work every day in after school programs in situations where the children are feeling um, more comfortable than they may feel in school sometimes. So um, as part of this advanced training in reading, the teachers um, collaborate with um, three centers in the Western edition of San Francisco to um, put on a summer reading program for five weeks every year. 
Um, our philosophy started with um, a collaboration with Sheryl Davis of the Human Rights Commission based on the idea of shared leadership, responding to community identified needs and reciprocal learning. So that's why we stay in close contact. Um, Chanel and I uh, started planning uh, last fall for, I mean, I guess it must be two falls ago for the summer coming up the next year. Uh, summer starts in September is kind of the slogan of uh, people that work uh, summer reading programs. And uh, with other directors of our partners plan the program. And so um, all year round to get to the point where we're ready to go in June. Um, so that's our part of it. We have Masters of Arts of Teaching reading um, candidates teaching um, small uh, classes in reading engagement. It's not a remedial reading program. We have a range of readers, kids uh, coming um, with um, very beginning reading regardless of their age to very advanced uh, college level readers regardless of their age. It's really a program to inspire children's uh, reading engagement, to wanna read, to increase the amount of reading they do, to be excited about reading and to um, really kind of um, develop their own identity as readers by removing uh, threats around reading, by reading, making reading really safe and making really, uh, reading very healing. So that's our part of it from the teacher point of view, but I just want to invite Chanel to tell from the um, program staff and from the uh, student point of view. Okay. Um kind of just going to piggyback on a lot of what Ms. Helen has already said, but for my point and standpoint, what I bring when we are planning in September is the being in the classroom and seeing what's going on and bringing the ideas of how to make reading fun for the kids because a lot of kids are so over school. And so when the summer comes, it's more about having fun. So just thinking and keeping the teachers on their toes about ways that we can engage the kids with the reading sometimes disguising it and doing it in other ways that's fun like um we actually plan for this summer to be way different we were thinking about like the middle schoolers being outside and taking it um learning about like nature and different things like that and also reading but due to COVID, it didn't happen so maybe that can be the goal for next summer but just trying to always change it up because if the kids have been in the program since kind of the beginning it's kind of like routine and it becomes school so always just thinking about how reading can be disguised and how kids can still enjoy it, even though they may not enjoy it so much during the school year. So I bring to the table kind of just thinking of different ways to keep it interesting and engaging. And that's so important. I wanna highlight what Chanel said because, you know, reading has to be voluntary. We, no one's gonna do it if it's only schooled literacy. And, um, we, we really, that's why it's so important to think about formal schooling in one sense, but in education slightly differently because education does not only happen in school, but, but school can really um, sort of um, uh, uh, create a filter or change the way kids think about things uh, like reading and like learning. Um, and, and sometimes it can be very negative. So this opportunity to work um, with Chanel and work in the community and community-based programs helps us as teachers understand that education goes beyond the school walls and that the most important thing is that kids take it up. Kids take up reading on their own, take, take up just learning, finding out about the world on their own. And that's what we feel like that the teachers can really learn from the program staff. Yeah, and, and I really love also that notion of reading as healing. Like what a beautiful thing to imagine that we can actually support children in figuring out how reading can be a source of healing for them too. Um, so I'm curious, I'm very curious about this particular past summer and really what did the work look like for each of you um, for this past summer when you were kind of having to pivot uh, which is the word of 2020, I guess, um, to do all of this work now um, remotely. I'm guessing uh, it was probably remote. So what did, what did it look like for each of you? And Rachel, maybe we can start with you. Yeah, so um, I worked with a partner, um, a partner teacher who was also a candidate in the program. And when we found out that it was going to be online for sure, we sat and we were like, okay, how can we 
take it from just fun engagement and how can we blend that with meaningful engagement? Because now the kids are in a different setting. Um, more than likely they were home. So how do we get them to show up excited, but also in a way that it means something to them and they're gonna walk away thinking and feeling um, just recharged and re-energized because it's it's their summer. Um, and I worked with a lovely partner and we collaborated really well. And we were very intentional about the chapter books that we were working, introducing. Um, I was working with a fourth and fifth grade combo um, cohort of students. And it was just really important to reinforce um, the power of literacy. And that when, when we say literacy, I feel like people um, just think reading, right? But we're talking about writing and speaking and communicating and all of that um, just coalesced into one beautiful project. Um, and I think we did well um, bringing in a chapter book um, called Blended. Not sure if you guys have heard of it, but it was, it was a beautiful moment to see kids see themselves in a text. Um, and we really emphasize reading um, can be a space where they can see themselves and it can be a mirror to their real life or real events that are actually very prevalent um, in society. So we really got to dig deeper into that. Um, so I was, I was really grateful. Helen or Chanel, do you want to speak to kind of what it looked like for you over the summer? We got to go back to like, I don't know, February 2020, when we started to realize something's up here uh, and not knowing really what was going to, what was, what it was going to be. And I think we all, when we think back to February, um, we started hearing news reports. We started hearing that something was afoot. We didn't know how serious it was going to be yet. And um, we plan, we start planning, as I said, really early for summer. And uh, the teachers um, that I had with me in a class, we start planning in, in February for the summer. So we started off thinking that was going to be in person, that this didn't sound like a really big deal, the pandemic. I mean, it was not yet a pandemic. Um, and then gradually um, staying in touch with Chanel, asking, well, what are you hearing? Well, what do you think is going to happen? Um, and then, of course, we came to the day, March 16th, when Mayor Breed um, uh, shut it down, did, did our uh, shelter in place. And then I think everyone started to realize, wait a minute, this is really something. And I think we're still grateful to her for taking that early action. Um, so at that point, we started shifting gears and thinking, okay, well, maybe we need to start um, informing ourselves about online teaching, planning some, some um, sort of a plan B or maybe a hybrid situation. And then, as I said, staying in touch with Chanel and saying, well, what are you hearing? What are you planning? Um, what do you think is going to happen? We started evolving more and more towards a, a fully online uh, program. And that involved uh, for our teachers learning uh, platforms like Seesaw, which is an online platform that works really well for young children, kindergarten through, I'd say about fifth grade. And um, we also had teachers using Google Classroom, which works uh, for all ages, but particularly well for middle school. So uh, by the end of the spring, um, we had an all online program planned. And it wasn't what we expected, you know, when, when we began in February. Um, and as I said, uh, this was also evolving on the program level, trying to figure out, well, were there, would there be children on site or would all the children be home or what that was gonna be like? So um, I'll turn it over to Chanel to um, talk about that aspect. Okay, um, well, for me to say, like I was like in the beginning, it was for me, I was so given so much pushback. I didn't want it to be online. I never, I was, all, the, all of our meetings as always, let's not plan for virtual, let's plan for in-person. And I came every meeting with that. And then, like Ms. Helen said, um, Mayor Bree shut it down. And so it turned to really having to push my feelings to the side and do what was best for the kids and really start trying to figure out how and what being online would look like for the kids, which 
for me turned out to be super great, I think, especially for our middle school kids. Like in previous years, our middle school kids, keeping them engaged and interested in the reading program has been hard, but I worked with the middle school this summer. And to me, it was one of the better summers. They actually got through a whole chapter book. They did projects along the way. So it turned out to be super helpful. And it also helped me and the students prepare for school year because we were aware of like what it was going to look like to be online for the school year. So that kind of gave us a heads up. So the planning was more still trying to do what we do in person, but doing it online and being interactive. And especially for our middle school cohorts, it was super interactive. The teachers would sign on Zoom. They would do a read aloud together. The students were even engaged with reading online. I didn't know how that was gonna work, but they all were engaged. We did like a chapter a day. And even if they didn't get to finish the chapter online with the teachers, they knew that since we were in person on our site that the staff would finish reading a chapter with them. And they actually enjoyed the book and got to talk about the book, which I'm not sure would have happened if they were in person. I think it would have been way more distractions and they may not have gotten through half of the book and understood as much as they did. So it becoming online was super helpful for our middle school and it helped them along the way. So planning and trying to keep it, making sure that while we were planning for virtual, it was still had the feel and the vibe of being in person. Just to clarify too, and add to that, uh, what Chanel's describing is a situation where um, the children in Magic Zone um, at Ella Hill Hutch Center and also at the Hayes uh, Center were present in the classroom with their program staff. And then they were participating in online programming. Um, so it was kind of a, a, I don't know if you call that hybrid. I don't know exactly what hybrid means beyond being a, a blending of things. Um, and we found that that worked, worked much better than uh, our other two partners who had children um, online at home um, because they didn't check in as, as often or fewer of them checked in. It worked very well for the children who did check in from home. They got some real individualized attention, uh, but um, we didn't have the level of participation. When uh, kids were at Magic Zone with their program staff teachers uh, and coming online, they had all that support behind them. They had the teachers cheering them, the program staff teachers cheering them on um, and keeping them engaged. And as Chanel said, following up later in the day with some of the activities or assignments or continuing to read. So that seemed to be uh, the most successful model. Um, and Rachel can describe what happened with the fourth, fifth grade and working in tandem with the program staff, Mr. Mike and Jasmine there at Hayes. Yeah, so um, I really appreciate that Chanel brought up the fact that this program gave students an opportunity in the summer before their um, school year started to experience what it was like to be online. And um, I was working with a group of kids who also, um, it was a small cohort and they were together um, at Magic Zone in the same place. So they had um, two staff there and then plus our two teachers online. And I really, um, it became very um, clear to me that the students who just naturally were um, able to navigate that online part already have learned those independent kind of like student skills or just independent learning skills, right? And that was something when when online started, um, teachers weren't, I feel like they weren't really um, prepared to see that. And then you see some kids that were still growing and still navigating um, how to be an independent learner and how to take initiative and how to advocate for themselves and speak up if they need help. And then behind a screen, um, I feel like that human connection piece was so important. So having um, just collaborating very closely with the staff that was present with the students and then um, collaborating closely with my partner teacher was a gift. So that that piece of open communication and then me as an educator going into my first year teaching I was like wow open communication with families is just so so vital to a child's success 
And that piece would have been missing if I didn't have um, a space to do that and experience that with the summer reading program. All right, thank you so much for sharing that. And um, with like everything that changed with the program, what were some things that were still able to stay consistent with the program during the pandemic? I like to think of it as like, what were the North Stars? What were the things that, you know, even though you had to move online and do things in a way that wasn't how you, you know, really wanted them to go. Like, what did you kind of hold on to as like, these will be my North Star, these will be my, my sort of guides? Well, I think for me, the, the piece um, of reciprocal learning is such a, a bedrock of our model um, that we originally developed, as I said, with Shul Davis and um, continued with um, Rika Chambers and now with Chanel. Uh, to um, really see see ourselves as adults learning from one another. And that got lost to a certain extent um, because we didn't have the um, personal contact. We didn't have the um, ability to meet together or to be like actually co-teaching in person side by side. But I, I do think that um, uh, Rachel was and her partner Lauren were able to continue collaborating with uh, Mike and Jasmine, the program staff, and stay closely in touch with them. Um, and so I think we were able to preserve that in some classrooms uh, better than others. Um, so I, I just want to uh, kind of give uh, props to, to that, to maintaining that. I think the other, and Rachel could build on that too, and Chanel as well. I think the other thing. Um, that Chanel spoke to earlier was the idea of um, reading engagement. And in fact, for some children, it was easier to engage with kind of the privacy of being online, not being having to be in such a social situation, especially as a preteen, um, and um, being able to be free uh, as, as an individual to engage with reading and not feel social pressure that maybe it's not cool, or maybe there's some other on social interactions going on that are way more interesting than what the teacher's doing, which is totally understandable for all children, especially children that age. So um, I think we were able to preserve and maybe improve upon the idea of building uh, reading engagement and building a real curiosity and interest in books and seeing yourself as a reader, um, which is the one of the, the whole objective of the program. Yeah, I was going to say what Ms. Helen said. I think the reading engagement was something that we held on to, even though it was in, um, it was virtual instead of in person, because I noticed even in my group, a lot of people who wouldn't have read out loud, because when we're in person at, um, in the program, it's different organizations. So it's our organization and two other community-based organizations. So they may or may not know the kids that's in their class. And so I feel that since they knew everybody was in the class, they, some people would read and even struggling readers would read a lot. And usually any other time, I feel like they are read like at minimum a paragraph and like try to be done. But some people read like pages, at least two pages. And it was like shocking to me because mm -hmm. I don't know if they would have done that if they were in person because they may have thought that the other people may or may not laugh at them. So reading engagement stayed the same, even though we were virtual. Um, I think the biggest thing for me that really kept me going and that intrinsic um, motivation was partnership. And this program kept and maintained, if not strengthened, um, partnership with the community and with the youth. And I really feel like we all had the idea, like we are in this together. And this is the first time I mean that across our country, across the world, everybody is experiencing what it's like to live in a pandemic. Like, and when you really step back and you're like, wow, okay, this is happening for everybody, but we really are experiencing this in this space together. And that, that idea of unity coming together, um, what, and sharing open conversations. So 
my kids were older and because they were in fourth and fifth grade, our conversations were um, a lot deeper in the sense that we asked like, what, how are you doing? What can we do as teachers and community leaders um, to show up for you? Or what do you need? And the responses we got, I mean, they were telling us that home is, you know, stressful. Their parents are a little bit overwhelmed. Like, um, I don't really have my space at home anymore because my siblings are always there. And when they got to um, be in that small group um, on campus, I think that it gave them the space to have that little bit of freedom that I feel like everybody at some point in time felt like they needed and to have that freedom in a space where it's like, okay, you're still learning and growing and have access to um, literacy and books, but it's not like a to-do list. You know, you don't have to complete a homework assignment. We're asking you to experience a book altogether. And because it was so collective, um, it was, it was a really beautiful thing for everyone to experience that together. So I'm really um, hearing this echoing theme of just the importance of relationships and building those connections and, and really kind of honoring the common humanity, particularly in this moment um, that might have been amplified, um, particularly this year, or, or maybe it felt like something new this year that, that wasn't as present in previous years. Um, I'm wondering if there are uh, like specific innovative interventions or strategies that any of you were able to develop or deploy that really felt like it was um, a breakthrough for you and or the students. Um, yeah, anything like that, that, that was just kind of a, a triumphant moment that you noticed or experienced. And maybe Chanel, I don't know if, if you want to start, if something comes to mind since you kind of got to witness the students in person. I don't know. I was trying to like think of an exact thing and I just, I don't know. Like for me, it was really the engagement. Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. And maybe it's not that big of a deal, but it was like, to me, like to see the kids really in front of their computers, like they did art online. And so they did art with their teacher. It was a Zoom in call, which was a USF teacher. And for them to like, kind of be on their own. Cause you know, I don't know if you guys like really work with kids and those like when they're doing art, like they really want their art to look like the teachers or whoever they're copying. Like they're so upset and then they want them to like come over and help them, which is usually they want you to do it for them so it can look like them. And that wasn't the case. They were so okay with however their art came out. That's how it came out, but they still were super excited about it. So like really seeing them doing art online, like that, that was a big thing to me. Cause even today, we are a hub now. And so we have a student here like that was doing art and he was getting upset. Like he was mad that it wasn't looking like what it was looking like on the computer. But for the summer, that wasn't the case. They were so fine, like being in their own space and just doing it their way. And if it looked like the teachers, it, it was cool. But if it didn't, like they were still super excited about that. So the, I don't know, the not having to be in person, I guess, and comparing their work to the other people, but just really focusing and if they did it their best, like that was their best. So I feel like that was a big breakthrough to me because usually it's like, I need help, which is usually, I want you to do it for me so it can look like yours. And that wasn't the case for the summer. So that would be my big breakthrough. If, if there's a silver lining, it may be this, what Rachel and Chanel both just spoke to, this opportunity to um, develop um, for children to develop their skills as independent learners. Schools, classrooms can really make children dependent on the teacher as Chanel's describing. Does it look like the sample? Am I doing it right? Um, and schools can also um, cause children, um, cause a lot of fear. Um, we, every year we interview kids uh, in terms of, you know, what, what they feel about reading. We have kind of an ongoing unfinished probably never to be unfinished study called uh, Why Is It Reading Fun? And um, uh, kids, we were listening to transcripts recently from a couple years ago and a lot of kids spoke to 
because uh, because it's scary because I'm afraid because I don't want to make a mistake. So um, it's very humbling for educators, particularly for teachers, to realize that um, school has a lot of traumatizing aspects to it, and there's a lot of practices when in learning to read that uh, actually um, can be maybe traumatizing is too extreme, and I don't mean to diminish uh, the meaning of that word, but it can it can really be set kids up for a situation where they would rather avoid um, uh, the feelings associated with it. So um, I think that uh, what Chanel is describing about um, kids feeling kind of the uh, freedom to develop independently or the safety, no, not freedom, safety to, uh, to, um, to do an art project the way they see it or to get deeply involved in reading or to go ahead and read out loud even though it might not be perfect. That could be some sort of, a, a, of an advantage or a gift that um, we will wanna preserve somehow, uh, even this coming summer when we're all desperately hoping to be in person. Um, and I'm also starting to think about um, how we might take some of what we learned this past summer and getting ready after the holidays, there's our planning again with, uh, with Chanel about, well, what, what do we wanna preserve? What, how can we bring that into our program? Even if we are do have the um, privilege this summer of being in person again. And one more thing, I just wanna uh, shout out uh, to the visionary uh, idea of having, of fighting for some kids to be able to be on site in person. That turned out to be such a powerful strategy. And now we see the concept of learning hubs and trying to get those started again across the city. But as you said earlier, Chanel, you fought for that and you try to hang on to that. And um, I know that um, there was a lot of pushback because there was a lot of fear of, you know, how is this going to be safe for everybody, staff and children and parents included? But uh, it was something important to fight for. Um, I just really quickly want to speak to when Helen um, brings up safety and safety and learning. Um, there, there's this term that we use in the field of education and thinking about academic risks for children. And when we ask them to complete an assignment or we ask them to um, make a project, present a project, we think about um, they are taking an academic risk. And what is that what do they need to do and how do they need to perform to do it quote unquote successful, right? But that looks different to all of the kids because each of these kids really thrive um, in different ways and wanna showcase what they know in different ways. What this um, online space gave to me and let me know is um, multiple ways to represent your thinking and multiple ways to represent your ideas. So I have, I've just been becoming acclimated, incorporating technology um, into my own classroom. And with the summer reading program, there were opportunities where we posed, you know, comprehension questions or just comprehensions to get questions to get them digging deeper and sharing how they felt about a text. Well, you didn't have to sit there in like, you know, a reading circle and speak to it directly on the spot. They had time to log off, to think about it. They could type it up. They could bring it to our next conversation and share orally, or we even um, gave them the opportunity to record their voice. Um, and just seeing the mix of student choice and having students be more active and choosing what works for them was beautiful. So that was a big thing um, for me, again, as a new educator coming into this field, like, wow, when you when you present choice, and a big part of reading engagement is choice. Um, wonderful and beautiful things happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and kind of going along with that, I think you've answered this a bit, but maybe um, we can think a bit more about what have you, um, all three of you learned through um, this, um, doing this uh, program during the pandemic that you probably wouldn't have been able to learn or 
wouldn't have been able to see in non-pandemic times. And so maybe it is some of this like safety, like you were talking about. I think across um, everything, across the whole academy, across USF, across field of education, we're, we're, we let go of a lot of stuff that we found out wasn't that important. I know in one of my courses, for example, I would ask teachers to um, write a paper describing their vision of classroom teaching. And I realized we don't need to write a paper. <laughs> That's not what it's about. Um, you know, who's ever going to read the paper except for me as the instructor? Really, I felt like what teachers, what new teachers need to do is to be able to articulate their vision, their philosophy, what's important to them. Um, and so now we have it as a podcast instead of a paper. And I don't know why that never occurred to me before, like how, how absolutely useless a paper is. So I think all along, we're finding even the uh, Commission on Teacher Credentialing, who, who had so many regulations, so many timelines, so many tests, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you know, we can move that deadline. Now that, that's not really important. We don't need to do that. Um, so I think at every level, people are realizing that we get a, got a lot of, little bit set in ways and carried away with some stuff that really wasn't important. And I think we can kind of see things fresh and say, okay, you know, what's the purpose here and what, what would really serve the, um, the learners or the clients or, or whatever um, better um, in terms of um, what, what, what they really need, what would really support them. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think for me, um, I just go back to human connection. And in, in this situation that we're currently going through, what matters the most? And it's maintaining those relationships in your life that support you and keep you going. And I thought, and my partner, Lauren, who I worked with, we were like, how are we going to connect with our kids? How are we going to build that relationship and sustain it? And we learned that you can connect with kids over the screen. It is possible. And you can have that one-on-one -on -one, um, interaction and those check-ins and those meaningful conversations that can still happen. And I think when you're thinking in terms of pandemic and online and distance learning like I hate that term distance learning you know it doesn't have to you're not distant physically yes but you're not distance in connection and and for me um without this setting um I think that that might have been a, gotten a little lost for me so I just I hold that in my teaching now and I'm lucky to be with my students in person and that that human connection is more, um, just more significant now and it's amplified and how can I just really, really foster that. And I would say, um, again, going back to safety, but I feel like we've always discussed that in our meetings and things, making sure that the kids feel safe, they feel comfortable, they feel like a family. And I feel like that was kind of the vibe that we gave here in our program. So they were able to open up and feel a little more. And I think also with the teachers um, through USF and our program staff, just really understanding, like, going with the flow. I think we've been doing this work so long and this program so long that we know there's there's outcomes that have to come up, but this year everything was so new. So there was really nothing we had to meet because no one knew what the end was or no one knew anything. So it was just like going with the flow. And even if we can keep that on like that same mentality or mindset going forward, like really just going with the flow. Like sometimes we get so caught up in what the end is gonna look like. Can we produce that show that this is important, that this is a point. And just sometimes we lose focus of what's really important and making sure that the kids understand and are having a good time. So I think safety was big and going with the flow. Thank you. Um, we know that teachers and uh, after school and uh, youth programming staff are 
you know, really on the front lines of caring for our children right now, whether it's in person or remote. Um, and so the next question for each of you is, how are you uh, prioritizing and attending to your own mental and physical health um, and the mental and physical health of your loved ones, uh, both, you know, obviously through the summer and through the project, but, uh, but even now. Um, Chanel, maybe we can start with you again. Um, I don't think I'm the right person to start with because it's actually kind of all fell to the back burner. I feel like for me, it's really, I really created a terrible habit of pushing my needs and things to the back to making sure that the youth that we work with are doing okay and that the community is okay. So, I mean, now I try to like do things that like, um, for my mental health, like I did start back doing my therapy again. Um, I was doing runs and walks and hikes and that's kind of gotten away from me. And I keep saying, I'm gonna start back, I'm gonna start back. So that's what I have been doing. But I feel like this work, especially if you don't prioritize it right, really takes up so much of your time and just with the pandemic going on, I feel like everyone is struggling. And sometimes I sit tend to take on everyone else's problems. So that's, I haven't really been doing a good balance of making sure the youth in the community are good and myself. So there are some things, steps that I was taking in the beginning of the pandemic, like I said, the running and stuff, but that's kind of falling back by the wayside. But I do plan on getting back to that because it has been a lot going on in the community in the past couple of weeks. So. I need to get make sure that I am okay so I can help the kids that I work with. All right, well, we are gonna send really good energy toward you to try to support you in, in making that happen. Um, Rachel, and then maybe Helen. Um, I completely hear Chanel when she says that she's had um, not, not trouble prioritizing, but when you think about working with kids and you think about them, I mean, all the time, like I sometimes wake up in the morning and that's the first thing, like, okay, who do I need to give some extra attention to? Who do I need to check in with? Um, and that's all valid. And being, working with youth, being an educator, um, you think about these kids all the time. For me, I go back to um, how can I, fill my cup up so I can show up in a space where I'm fully present and I can give to these kids because there have been times where I've shown up to work, haven't slept enough, um, I'm stressed or overwhelmed and you know you may give short answers or short responses or try to go through the day checking off checklists and that's um, that's when I'm like, whoa, you know, you need to step back, Rachel, you need to set boundaries, you need to stick to your contracted hours for today and, um, and show yourself some self care and self love and I've, um, I'm grateful that I'm learning those practices now because if I want to stay in this field and this profession, um, it is so important to show up for yourself, because you show up for kids every day. Um, so I, I'm trying and I'm still learning. Um, meditation, outside time, eating right. I mean, I feel like basic needs met first always. And then, you know, you can throw in some things that just really feed your soul. It's kind of, it, it was unexpected, I guess, that um, working uh, remotely, which is another horrible word like distance, um, is actually more time consuming than working in person. <laughs> I think that's been a big shock to everyone, to all of us, like, wait a minute, why, am I, why is my time so filled? I'm not commuting, I'm not traveling, I, I'm not spending half hour to get dressed in the morning, whatever it was that it took to get somewhere. I'm not having to go somewhere to have a meeting. I can just, you know, pop on in two minutes and I'm there. So why are we more busy? Um, I think it just, everything takes more thought, more preparation. 
um, to kind of shift from take what we used to do and make it this uh, online version. Um, and certainly preparing for the classes I teach uh, takes way more time. I'm just always trying to dream up some way to make it interactive. And just as Chanel and Rachel are thinking always about the children in their care, I'm thinking always about the teacher education candidates and how are they doing? And they're struggling. It, it's, it's difficult to be, um, you know, um, online every evening in class and probably also doing a full-time job during the day and being cut off from friends and family. Um, so so that's, that's also trying to support them with their own uh, mental health needs and needs just to get through this um, pandemic. For me personally, um, what I've noticed um, is a shift between um, members of my family, my daughters and their families being all in our own kind of worlds to um, kind of coming together as a whole family and being in a bubble. So for me, um, the way I live, I'm living now is more similar to how I grew up in an extended family where life is very home-centered, not work-centered anymore. Uh, although you have to work now is part of home, uh, which is another strange thing about the pandemic that it's, it can happen anytime. I often work like at four o'clock in the morning, you know, when I'm not sleeping. So, um, so the, this blending of home and work though, um, it's given a lot of, um, a lot of support at being, always in an extended family situation instead of uh, being uh, more isolated from my family members. So, and, and that's actually more familiar to me than being um, in this more individualized type of family structures that we're often in, in the, in the modern. So I feel like I, I, I'm not living in the modern world um, except for with all the technology. Ah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, we're also wondering just in general, um, what advice would you give um, to others that might be doing a similar program like the summer reading program, or maybe other teachers um, who uh, kind of need to be responsive to the pandemic? What advice would you um, give to people that would be in a similar role to you? You know, after you asked the question of what are you doing for yourself? I think my advice would be take care of yourself and do it in ways that, that really help you, um, restore your energy and recharge because every day um, is a new day. And I would also let them know, like, we don't know what tomorrow looks like. We really don't know what next week looks like. We don't know when things will be lifted. Um, so just that reminder to take care of yourself and stay present, stay in the now, um, show up, give a hundred percent, um, and then go home and recharge and enjoy the present moment because it'll be a whole new day and experience tomorrow. And I think um, teaching now, um, I really go back to that a lot. Like, yep, today was a little rocky, but we have a fresh new start tomorrow. And I, and I always want to keep that um, on the front line when I just, when I continue throughout my years of teaching. For me, I would say my advice would be take care of yourself. Just like when you're on the airplane and they tell you in case we crash, like put your mask on first and then help other people. So you really have to take care of yourself, set boundaries, um, ask for help, ask people who have done the work before because someone has already created the wheel. So don't go recreating it. Take what someone else has done, make it your own and then run off with it. Instead of trying to start from the beginning, it's way easier to look at someone else's idea and make it your own. Um, be your authentic self, like be who you are and be true to what you, what you believe, especially if you're working with kids because they can sense that. If they sense that what you're doing isn't from the heart, you're doing either to be seen, to gain some type of personal gain or using it as a stepping stone or whatever it is, like 
it won't last. The kids won't receive it and your time spent will be miserable. So really do whatever work you ever do, really do it from your heart and actually care about it. Thanks for both. Those are both really good advice from both of you. I would say um, respond to the situation that is not the situation you wish it was. Because um, we have a lot of preconceived notions on, oh, it's a summer reading program. This is how we do things. And this is what the kids need. And this is um, like, you know, what we expect to happen. You can't have any of that. And I, I, I feel like I already try not to have preconceived notions to understand every summer is different. It's all a different bunch of people coming together, uh, different program staff, different teachers, different children. Uh, but now more than ever, um, we have to be so flexible. Sitting here now, November 20th, uh, 2020, we don't know what uh, summer is going to be. So we have to, but yet we have to start preparing. So um, we have to just kind of try to um, keep responding to what is, what, um, and that kind of goes back to the um, original principles of the program, which was to respond to community identified needs. In other words, for me and the person in my role, I can't think that um, this is how the program has to be or is or must be replicated as it was because the needs in the community may have changed. Uh, and that's why staying in close collaboration with Chanel to know, well, what's coming up for, for families now? What com what's coming up for children now? What is it that we really need to be doing this summer that maybe we never even thought of before? because our conditions have completely changed. So that's what I would say is to respond to the situation that you have, not the situation that you know was or that you wish it was. Well, thank you all so much again for taking time to be with us. It's really been such a gift to hear all of your insights and to learn about the project, the summer reading program um, in more detail and I just want to especially thank you on behalf of the McCarthy Center for Public Service and the Common Good and, and Aaron and myself for just taking this time and, and really bringing uh, your whole selves into this conversation and really sharing uh, from your hearts as well as from you know, the experience and how that unfolded. So thank you so much for being with us. This podcast was produced by the Leo T. McCarthy Center for Public Service and the Common Good at University of San Francisco. In addition to our interview participants, we would like to thank Aaron Hassett, our graduate intern, Maj Jenkins, our communications intern, and Leslie Lombre, Director of Communications at the McCarthy Center. For more profiles, please visit usfblogs.usfca.edu backslash community engagement.